Welcome to the Spaceship Earth Mission Log podcast. I'm here with Lauren Minnis from Regeneration Pollination. That's her group that she's doing with meetups and trying to get people together in the wider community. And her project, her mission, is a regenerative financial model for global weaving. I think we're going to have a great conversation today. I'm really excited to Mm. have you. Welcome, Lauren. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. (laughs) So uh, let's start by telling me a little bit about your mission. Who ended up Mm -hmm. collaborating with you? What was your mission about and where did you get with your mission? What was the purpose that you had set out to accomplish and how did that go? Sure. Yeah. So I first had found out about the BFI Trim Tab Space Camp. There were some, I would say, advertisements or promotion in the Global Regeneration Collab, which is a community based on Slack, are people that are engaged in this work of regeneration and, um, one of the people that's on our who helps start regeneration pollination and is one of our partners, Dave Witzel, who um, he represents the GRC and the regenerative ag sector accelerator, Rasa. So he was saying, you know, hey, you should consider doing, the, you know, bringing regeneration pollination as a mission. And mm-hmm. I felt like, well, maybe, maybe, um, maybe we should kind of home in a little bit around something specific and what what we've been kind of dealing with lately as a nonprofit is how to bring in funding. Uh, We're volunteer run or we're volunteer based, volunteer run. We're made up of partnerships. So we're partner run. And Mm -hmm. how, you know, we were thinking about, you know, what are we were just actually alongside in parallel doing the BFI trip to have space camp. I was also in an acumen Fun, uh, nonprofit fundraising essentials course because <laughs> I wanted to having worked with a few nonprofits but not spent a ton of time on fundraising as a director it's sort of one of your responsibilities is to raise funds mm. and I, it was really important because it was thinking about how to have uh, regeneration pollination be able to operate in a way that is actually going to serve the people who are not just attending but also running the nonprofit, the partners, mm-hmm. the volunteers. So the idea about, well, I've always been thinking about this coming from permaculture and regeneration. It's like how to apply that lens and people apply it to organizations and organizational change in management and design. And some people, you know, maybe apply it to like the economic system or they'll apply it to their land. And so I've been thinking about, and I've had these inquiries around like, how do we have regeneration pollination be more regenerative in terms mm-hmm. of how we run our events, how do we structure our organization? How do we have financial models? And given that um, we had gotten a seed grant and we had gotten a grant from Regener- uh, that was with from Inquiring Systems, who was our fiscal sponsor, and then we also mm-hmm. got a grant from Regen Network. <laughs> That's all we've been able to bring in, besides some donations from people who've come to our events. And mm-hmm. of course, uh, this this past year we had two sponsorships that came from GRC and inquiring systems also. So, um, Mm. you know, how do we branch out to bring in more funding? So the idea behind the mission was, I mean, we were looking at like regeneration pollination as the case study because that's what our focus was, but we were thinking maybe we can also find some models that can be helpful for other people doing our work. Um, So we kind of went into it like, all right, so what is going to be more a generative financial model? I mean, 
at this point, we're even trying to get to a place to sustain ourselves, yeah. <laughs> you know, and make sure that we don't contribute to, which is something very frequent in the nonprofit and grassroots movements uh, around burnout, yeah. especially when you're relying so much on volunteer. Now, on an aside, there are movements and uh, or groups that do rely on volunteerism. But it's so much about service and more of a spiritual, like I just came from a three-day Vipassana meditation retreat, and that's based on Donna, that's service donation, and people just want to give and serve because they want people to get the benefits of, of Donna. So mm. um, there are groups like that. There's also like another group, the um, Anthropocene Transition Network, and they rely on kind of Donna as well, people donating their time, donating money just to have like it's sustained i don't know the total in, ins and outs of how they how, how they do things but in in passing from talking to i'm spacing on his name sorry um i forgot his name but i had a conversation with him about this and that's where he kind of brought it up but i being the director and um feeling that i need to also be able to sustain myself and if we want to get more done to be able to staff like communications and marketing, maybe bring on the fundraising person, maybe bringing on another person to help with like um, partnership and community engagement development that requires funding. So yeah. um, in the way that the organization currently stands, you know, we have some basic funding that's helped kind of sustain myself, but I knew going into this, that there was at some point, we were going to need to do something about our fund, our model that we have as a nonprofit. And mm -hmm. we had some grants, we had some donations, we had some sponsorships, but we also, ch we don't charge for our events because we want them to be free. We want oh. them to be accessible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have people coming from all around the world and we don't want any barriers to participation. And um, really, I think one of the main barriers that at least we still see is just Zoom because we've got people that are from countries where they just they don't have the kind of bandwidth. So that yeah. tends to always be a little bit of a problem, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, so that was the idea with the uh, the mission was to think about what we can do to create a, like a regenerative financial model, like what we can do to sustain ourselves financially and then go beyond that and then be able to showcase that, too. So going into it, we had, um, I brought in Dave anyway to come. And then one of the other people who's on our team, Ajay Tallam, who's an old friend of mine from the Bay, he's been helping out with regeneration pollination. He joined the um, Trim Champ Space Camp. And then we also had, um, I'm going to remember everyone name, the name's Rupert Toombs, who is from the UK, but is in Barcelona, and mm -hmm. Richard Ramsey. I can't cool. remember where Richard's from, but those were the two main folks from the, and then, um, and then of course, Nikki wall with loving eats. Nikki's joined a as well. And she is <laughs> just like, Oh, we're going to, I'm going to be part of this mission. I'm going to this mission and this mission yeah. and you got your own mission. And, but it's great. She has that. She's just got her brilliance and her, her um, passion to want to contribute. So as a part, a direct part of and result from her being a part of our mission, um, she signed on for um, becoming a partner and oh, she helped awesome. spread the word about our events. So she's now one Yay. of our partner organizations. Yay. And um, she also has been donating to um, donating financially as well. So that's been wonderful. And she's Amazing. contributed. She brought some language for fundraising, like when sharing at our events, when we're plugging people to donate. So she mm -hmm. created some language for us around that. 
It might have been something else uh, she did. I'm spacing on it. And then Nadia um, was also there in the beginning, but she was trying to figure out how to contribute. But it was it was mostly it was mostly overall um, Ajay, Nikki. Well, Ajay, Rupert, Richard, Nikki, some of the time, Nadia, like one or two times. And we had some folks also who showed up like in the beginning, like Jomo, Jimo, Jimo, but then he, he came to like one, one meeting and then stepped away. So, um, out of the yeah, not everybody we can were... coordinate the the schedules yeah. because you get into you do a space camp and you're like, okay, well, you know, here's the space camp part, and then you get into the missions part, and that's a whole other layer. Yes, and like this this yeah. year, I didn't even join a mission because I knew that I was going to be busy and that it was going to be a little bit too much. So I guess in essence, this is my mission now that I'm doing after yeah. space camp is over, um, which is incredible. I think it's great because now I get to to cross pollinate with all y'all. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, you know what? I think that's fine. I know there was a lot of people that were a part of the camp that I never really saw. Um, and maybe they just watch recordings or they didn't come to any engage in any of the missions. And that's OK. That was just, you know, like one of the features of it. Um, and as far as the mission uh, in terms of like what came out of it. So I think we were very ambitious to think that we can really have a solution in six weeks and just be like, here you go. Like, this is what we can share. And yeah. so that didn't happen at all. But but what we did do, uh, what we did find were some new ideas that we were considering, like when I was doing the um, uh. presentation at the uh, the last day, was kind of showing these are the things that we've considered what we're currently doing, and we've considered and this is something new. Um, Rick, uh, Rupert, he introduced us to uh, an organization called Climate Fresk, and their model and was we were thinking about that idea of like franchising and what that could look like. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also I, I was also just throwing out ideas, too, of like, well, maybe we can create some kind of content for purchase. I don't know what that would look like, but it could be like PDF guides mm-hmm. or maybe we would work with our partners to develop some kind of a, you know, re- recording and be able to sell that like in a marketplace or something like that. So mm-hmm. that's like maybe down the line or Udemy course or something. Sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but one of the one of the things that we kept coming back to as like this, I think, really does have potential is to continue to explore how to, as a fee for service, offer our kind of format and style of bringing people together and hosting these networking events and doing what we're calling in house, which is to bring pollination and cross pollination inside organizations, inside businesses, inside networks, uh, inside yes. communities. And yeah. being like the hired consultant and to either co-design and run or co-design and train the people within that group to run themselves. Um, and uh, so that was an idea. And that would require, Great. I think, some funding to maybe develop that further as something mm-hmm. that we can provide. You know, we we worked with Regen Network to do um, a pollination event for the grant recipients so mm-hmm. there is this idea that also people that give fun funding like foundations like that we could do and offer that as a service for foundations for grant oh, recipients that's to be able to co mingle within each other. Yeah. So it, that requires that's so we've had those ideas and it just requires developing the model and we we sort of did a um, we did some research and kind of sketched out potential uh, price points. You know, like at least three different price points, like, you know, grassroots, 
small biz and corporation and what what would be included. Um, but that's sort of like as far as we we got six weeks was sh- six weeks short <laughs> to really yes, it's very be able short. to go in depth. To <laughs> but that sounds like you got you know? a lot out of it and the cross pollination of ideas that you hadn't uh, hadn't had that were brought in from others. I think that's the value of the idea of cross-pollination as there are so many ideas and solutions and organizations that are always do, already doing one thing well, but that's not the thing that they're yes. focused on. That's just a thing that they're doing. Yeah. So taking someone's knowledge from that organization or who has had experience with that and going, oh, here's what they did. And this is useful, helpful or adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. So I'm um, trying to think if there's anything else. Um so yeah, and then I, I invited Rupert and Richard to stay involved and to come to our planning meetings that we have, which we're now doing once a month for, you mm-hmm. know, if they wanted to have continual involvement um, nice. in, you know, in what we're, what we're up to. And so a that's lot of missions sort of where still keep going, you know, some of the missions, you know, it's yeah. a thing you do and some of them just are, you know, you end up making these connections and, and they, they keep doing the work like two years later. And that's what's incredible yeah. about the mission process. Yeah, and and, you know, we had a planning meeting. I don't know if this is like, uh, should be saying this for this recording because nothing <laughs> set in stone yet and it's so fresh. But um, we're, uh, the idea was put forth to, because we're, you know, um, there isn't the funding for me to continue on as like being funded as the director. So I'm going to, I'm essentially a volunteer director mm-hmm. and I'm going to need to find my own source of funding to, for continual, you know, survival and thriving thriving mm-hmm. uh thrivability in the I world and so i'm gonna be <laughs> i'm gonna be like i'm you know i'm searching for more work but i'm still committed to regeneration pollination so we're exploring you know it may it may or may not make sense for us to stay as a nonprofit, which is something richard actually brought up in the beginning he's just like yes nonprofit or or social enterprise business social enterprise you know? and so yeah now, that's like 2.0 nonprofit. So, yeah so it may be that we move away from the nonprofit world and fiscal sponsorship and, you know, create a way that it can still be sort of maintained, like minorly volunteer until we're yeah. able to actually find ways to like generate funds and to yeah. find something that's going to work for everybody. Because there are people that are dedicated and want to continue to see this um, in terms of it growing, we really do need the funding and I think more commitment and passionate leadership that wants to kind of collaborate. Because um, like I said, like we're partner run too. So our partners help actually run the events, doing the hosting and the tech, um, the Zoom tech, um, and help with uh, getting the word out. And the idea of having these partnerships is to diversify the places where we're reaching for cross-pollinating, even just finding out about the events and then diversifying the kind of people that actually come into the space, which increases mm-hmm. the possibilities for the you know, resource exchange. And I don't know, probably makes sense for me to also say what it is that we do, because I sort of was touching yeah. on it. I was going to ask about um, regeneration pollination. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So regeneration pollination, we, um, our mission is to connect and encourage the world's regenerators. Mm. Um, regeneration for us, I feel is more of a big umbrella term, uh, for work, you know, work in the world to that's, um, really around like health, a healthy whole well world where, um, you know, people, planet 
and our future is like the possibility of, of, of it thriving and vibrant and, and alive. And we're, there's care for communities, all communities and ecosystems, but is incorporating the principles that are found in nature. So we're able to have that like holistic, wholesome relationship with, um, you, you know, the earth and using the earth's wisdom on, you know, and using it to our advantage on how to live and just like living more like wholesome, wholesome, holistically. And, you know, regeneration, I mean, it could be said many ways, but I know in permaculture, we, we would say like to leave a place better off than you found it. You know, so you're like actually helping restore and and bring to life and bring in more life into that soil and increasing biodiversity. And, you know, so that can be done in not just physical, you know, natural uh, wildlife communities, but also human communities. And um, so we're connecting all these different folks. And what I what I say is we cross pollinate across sectors, cultures and time zones. So the idea is that we do these two, we've uh, we've uh, kind of pulled back to two a month, but we were doing three a month at different times, which is also meant to span different time zones. So right now we have yeah. two different events, the first Fridays at 10 a.m. and the fourth Fridays at, um, sorry, 10 a.m. Pacific and the fourth Fridays at 9 a.m. UTC. So the 10 a.m. Pacific from people from the basically Western part of the Americas in the Pacific all the way east to even like the middle east folks all from that region can come together to connect and then the other option is basically like western europe and africa all the way to oceania and so that Mm. region of the world can come and connect and then it's about cross-pollinating across sectors and that's the whole i know we touched about a little bit about siloing but it's to break out of silos and get people from these different areas to be in conversation and to connect and to exchange so our, our events are the first hour is basically speed networking where we have seven minute sessions where you're randomly matched with people. So you get to meet somebody new and you're meeting at least hopefully awesome. five new people. But we have yeah. new people and returning people coming back. because People do love to come back. And that's the we like to say that we try to create a very warm and welcoming place and space and safe space for people to share and then it becomes like a, a family environment so that people, mm-hmm. you know, like they keep coming back. And if you haven't seen them in a yeah. while and then they come and you're like, oh, my God, hey, how are you? It's been so long <laughs> to see you, you know. And yeah. it's like it's a home. It's a homey space for people to connect and share. And hopefully they exchange. And it's just on Zoom. And I know there's the downsides, which you have to like save the chat. And if you don't save the chat, we don't unfortunately send out the chat because we never really implemented uh... that. And then yeah. in the second hour, which sometimes can go longer than that, is we have this kind of informal, more like open space where people can continue one-on-one conversations or in the main room or in breakout rooms, they can actually talk, discuss about a particular topic area. And that bring that allows for people to share what they're up to in a deeper way or an issue that's of concern. And there's some really rich conversations that kind of come out of that. And it really yeah. is an opportunity for people to be able to have their voice, you know, be lifted up and to be known and heard mm-hmm. um, in the in the space. So we've been doing this since April 2020. And we're like, you know, two and a half years in now and uh-huh. coming into our three year anniversary on April 30th. And and um, it's been wonderful. It's been wild. You know, we've had um, this year it was like close to sixteen hundred. I think it was like 1,600 attendees that came wow. um, to our event. And we've 
I think total had over 2000 people that have come in the two years. Um, and that, that, that doesn't necessarily indicate like repeat people. It's just like to- the total number. Um, yeah. and, um, yeah. it's been, it's been just, it's been really beautiful and fabulous and made some wonderful yeah. connections. And I remember when I first learned about this opportunity, about these events, I was in a position like, I really need to meet more people. And then a person mm-hmm. that I knew who I helped organize the permaculture convergences in Northern California, who's, um, Trim Tabber herself, um, Hannah Apricot Eckbert with the London Earth Foundation. Yeah. Um, You know, she posted about the event on her Facebook and I was just like, oh my God, this is exactly what I need right now. And that, (laughs) funny enough, that is sort of how some people see it. And I'll make a comment, like even recently, she's just like, this is exactly the thing I'm looking for or need. And for some people, they like, they're like, oh, this is perfect. Like meeting, uh, you know, allied, like-minded, you know, kin folk that I can connect with or speak the same language in some form, even though they may be completely different fields. Um, And so she, she posted it and I was like, I have got to go to that. But I also was thinking about like, whoa, is this being shared anywhere else? So I already had like my outreach hat on to like cross pollinate on different communities and platforms. And that's still what I do is try to get the word out with my, my limited reach for networks I'm a part of. And that's where we rely on our partners to help us get the word out further to the, you know, communities that they're a part of too. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of, I was having a conversation with uh, one on my other podcast, The Language of Creativity. I interviewed a filmmaker Mm -hmm. and author, producer, Jennifer Fisher, who is in her own Mm -hmm. right, like you, a community builder, someone who networks people together. No, hey, you need something. I, you know, here's so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Or here's this, here's, here's children's clothes. Right. And um, so amazing woman. um, And literally we were connecting after having not talked for six months or longer and she's like, I feel so isolated because uh, we took our company off of Facebook and I'm really thinking about quitting Twitter because I don't like the environment there. But then it's like, that's where I make all my connections. And what do I do? And she was telling me about mm-hmm. this woman from India who uh, started diving. And because she was diving, she ended up becoming an activist, activist for coral. And I'd really like to get her film. She has a film. I'd really like to get her film out there. And I was like, well, you got to hear about regeneration pollination. And you probably should go <laughs> to one of their events because you're going to find it really, really helpful. And, you know, it's exactly like that, you know. And, and she's going, oh, my gosh, like, I, I do want to know about that. This sounds amazing. And you, this is this, you know, kind of sense that uh it's time to connect with each other and it's there's so much that we want to do that we can't do in an isolation there's also a sense of discouragement that comes from feeling like you're only connecting to the noise and you're not connecting to the high quality of people who are really like-minded like-hearted that are trying to to do good things in the world and so i think that's the value of something like regeneration pollination and you mentioned Burnout. I mean, the fact that, you know, in a nonprofit organization, you're constantly looking for funds, you're constantly having to go out there. And it's like, okay, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. Uh, <laughs> like, how am I gonna? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's like how, how to balance that ecosystem. And uh, you mentioned 
the uh, an mm-hmm. article on the eight forms of capital that is an offshoot yes. of uh, financial permaculture. And so I want to talk about that because this idea that there there are eight forms or more forms of capital than just finances. And uh, yes. one of them is social capital. Another one is materials. And of course, you know, you have cultural capital and uh, spiritual capital. Uh, intellectual living capital. So uh, the plants that you're using in permaculture would be an example of living capital. And so, you know, there's other forms of value besides just money. And I think as we're trying to talk about something like as big as the financial system, as ubiquitous as the financial system, it's really helpful to take a whole systems approach or view to what are the forms of wealth and value and abundance that we have to work with. And so... I really do like the idea of evolving from the nonprofit model as we know it, not to say that the idea of not-for-profit isn't good. But the problem tends to be is the overhead. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, um, you, you hear even a lot of charities where it's like 95% of the overhead goes to paying salaries and expenses and like 5% goes to cancer research um, or whatever. And it's just it doesn't strike me as a very sustainable model because – you know, you are kind of beholden to who can your donors be, and you're always having to look for donors. Um, and I mm-hmm. think I, th- I was really encouraged by the idea of the B Corporation, where it's like, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're building something that's valuable that is going to provide, you know, it's going to have these guiding lights in, and we're not capital first, we're not finances first, and that's, that's important. You had mentioned sort of this, like, partner-based, decentralized model of growing regeneration pollination, it made me think of what John D. Liu is doing with Ecosystem Restorations Mm -hmm. Camp. When I was involved with the project for um, Future Cities, he got involved with that a little bit. And I got to ask Mm -hmm. him about, you know, well, how do how do people make camps you know, because I've talked to people when I tell them about your thing, they want to join. And he's like, well, anyone can make their own camp. It's like, I'm not the like boss of Ecosystem Restorations Mm -hmm. Camp. They're all self-organizing. And I was like, Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's that's amazing. So there are other models out there that exist. Let's talk about the eight forms of capital for a minute. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's workshop that a little bit more. Tell me more about your experience with that idea. I remember I'm trying to remember how long ago it was, and I came across that article. Um, but I just was just I just found so much resonance with it because what there is even when you're networking there tends to be such a focus around funding. It's like I either need business or I either need money or right. I have money to give or something, <laughs> Yeah, you know, which I, I don't know as many about that, but you know, people are just like, I need money. I need money. I need money. And um, mm. occasionally, occasionally it, there'll be like, Oh, you know, I, I might need something that maybe will fall under um, information um, yeah. or, re- you know, needing resources. But, I just think that there's a lot of power in, well, there's the human expression is just so dynamic and we're so rich and there's so much. And and, and I'll, I'll preface this too, is that sometimes people will feel that networking tends to be very transactional. And in a way, yes, I can understand that, especially like, I don't know, there's the um, post-growth Institute does the offers and needs markets, mm-hmm. right? But 
even within those, it's not just money. It is like, you know, I'm needing some, I'm needing some ideas. Like I remember I put it out there cause I'm like still wanting to move back to Europe. It's like, mm. you know, I want to, I want to learn more about like the pop, you know, what kinds of cool intentional communities and eco village there are in Europe that could be potential to live in. Cause I want to live in community. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm going to look for the right country that has a right visa that I can, you know, be able to like work remotely. And so, you know, what, what's out there, what are some really amazing initiatives that are happening? And could you let me know? So that was like a direct kind of like informational slash social cultural ask, mm. you know, so there is some kind of, you, sometimes you can't get away from the transactional bit, but it's also what makes it more regenerative is that there's an actual human person in the relationship that's there, or, you know, potential relationship that's there. And yeah. so there's this idea that you can really cultivate the connections in a deeper way, which is something that we were trying to promote, you know, was like, make sure you exchange contact information so you could keep the conversation going or at yeah. least get the, you know, know the person. And then you may, you know, like the degrees of separation, it's like, if you need something and you might, the other person might not have it, but they may know somebody and then they can connect you and then that, you know, and down the line, but it's just a way of um, creating nourishment and, yeah. um, and, and serving, you know, really serving each other, but like forming relationships. So having it less be like that transactional nature and more relationship focused. And then that's yeah. sort of where, in terms of the other kinds of capital, the spiritual capital, I think that 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 is where like there's that like flow of energy. You know, if we think of yes. like with the mycelial network, it's just like constant flow, and there's all these different kinds of um, of of capital that can flow. Yeah. Um, because each person like they just have so much wealth within them from you know all those different forms of capital that um when we think about ecosystems, right, everybody kind of plays that role. And so when you have those different elements, it can help really feed the, you could say the collective ecosystem or the collective mycelial uh, web yeah. per se, you know, <laughs> it's true. And, and I think that's what builds a thriving functioning society. And I feel like that's yeah. what we've, what we've interrupted in modern life with this idea of a very financially driven, it's like our first and only goal, you know, and everything's, we're moving around, but we're moving around in separation. We're not moving around in togetherness. And there was this weird thing that happened around 2020 and the pandemic, which mm -hmm. was the the rise of Zoom. It's not that Zoom didn't exist. It's not this. Finally, it's this confluence of things that made this teleconferencing phenomenon normal. And so now you're mm -hmm. right. We're, we're networking with people all over the world, which means we're doing something the internet has always done and excelled at, which is bringing groups of people and communities together around shared values and ideas. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. a position that's very powerful because that's where we can create and collaborate together and imagine something new. And so I yes. think that that spontaneous regenerative aspect of it is huge. When I go to networking events, when I started going, I realized that everybody's in it for a transaction. There's something that they need to get. There's some value they're looking for. 
and they're they're going from person to person person to person it's like you know swipe left <laughs> you know uh-huh, like tinder uh-huh, in a sense uh-huh. and and what i've heard is that that experience is very dehumanizing it can be something that takes away from actually it's empty it 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 uh it doesn't it doesn't feed the soul and so when i started going to networking events a long time ago what i realized was a couple things First of all, I have to have something to offer the person that I'm talking to. So first I'll find out what they're interested in or what they're passionate about, and then I'll listen for that. And then if I have something valuable to offer, even if I'm not passionate about restaurants, I may know someone who who they need to know. So I'll make that connection and that'll be my exchange. That'll be the value that I can give. And the other thing is really, I do a lot of different things. So I'll really try and think about, well, what do I have that I've done or that I'm doing that's a value to them that they would find? So a lot of times it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, with the podcast, it's a recommendation of a particular episode of the podcast. People aren't going to go and listen to all 30 episodes of my podcast. But if I can send you the one, I think this Jennifer Fisher episode or the Katie McBratney episode is perfect for you and that's the perfect introduction to my mm. podcast and you like it then so that experience of that exchange and me giving you something of mine is actually a value to it. it's not like, hey listen to my podcast like I, I got to get more yeah. listeners and and I think that's what you're talking about when we're, we're talking about getting into a more regenerative frame of mind around all of this is that there's a it's a different mindset or heart set about how we network about how we exchange mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. an exchange is a gift and if you if i give you a gift every time you know we we exchange value and you, you there's a gift that comes to me in the giving then it's a whole another yeah. framework for how we do the world honestly <laughs> yeah you know something came up for me well two things that came up one of them i wanted to share earlier was that the pandemic really created an opportunity. Um, and this is where I feel like we're very well positioned is because people, people couldn't interact physically. And so we were reliant on being online. And so the beautiful thing is now we can connect people further and farther reach than was possible doing just in person now, that's not to diminish the power of in, being in person. And we do encourage people to do more place-based, you know, local, local work, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But, um, you know, something that I actually didn't think about, too, which I think is another opportunity that is, I think, an aspect of what's powerful about what we're up to. And it can be also included is the power of listening. So let's say that you have two people that are in a conversation and they don't necessarily have anything in particular that like in terms of an exchange for like, um, you know, I'm looking for a job and then a person, you know, there's no, there's like a dead end or whatever. Um, what both people can do that is, I think very nourishing is the space that's created in their listening of the other. So that maybe that person that's coming to network has not had an opportunity to really share their work and share what they're up to and share the stuff that really lights them up. And as an exchange that that person is providing a really beautiful listening, that that person gets to be heard and known and that you never know what's going to happen outside of that interaction, you know? So that's, that's the like 
who knows what will happen. And maybe like down the road, person who didn't have anything to per se offer besides their listening, remembered about that person sharing months later and then, mm. you know, let somebody know. It's just like you just don't know um, what's possible. And um, I'm reminded of like my motto that I share with people is just that like opportunities are just a conversation away. Right. Yeah. So there's this like magical, magical space that can get created when you have an interaction. So when you are coming at, from at it like less transactional, but more like, wow, I'm meeting somebody new. This is exciting. Let's hear what they're up to. And let's also lift people up. I think that was something that we talked about, too, originally is with enough funding, we would figure out how we can actually really lift up the part, our partners and lift up the people who are coming to our events to get their voices heard out there in the world where they couldn't, given our reach, you know, um, from our website or if we were to like create content pieces and things like that. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. But just coming to the event alone is a way to further lift yourself up in your work by reaching new people to let people know about what you're up to and what excites you and maybe even inspire somebody, you know, somebody to do whatever you're doing in their communities or to further what you're doing, you know? Have you thought about making the events pay what you want? We have, and this is, yes, so we have, and the issue, and this is sort of a, either an executive decision on my end or, I don't know, but um, we need to either migrate away from Zoom registration. Um, well, no, we would need to re- we would need to move away from Zoom registration because Zoom registration there's no option for paying, and it's not in the webinar format. Mm. It's a meeting, yeah. so yeah. we would need to either do it as a Zoom webinar, which I don't think would really work, or we would need to um, do like Eventbrite, or I think that maybe more ethical option would be like using Humantics. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that. So then people could have the option to give and have it be pay as you wish sliding scale, because we find that it's few and far between when we make the ask at an event. And normally if we do ask and somebody gives, it's like two people that give. Yeah. Um, so it's maybe it's like every few months we'll get <laughs> somebody who'll like give at the event. But it's much more powerful um, if you then, do it at the point of registration, because then people are in yeah. that. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm getting something out of this. I'm getting that. Like that's the point where their their right. commitments at, and so that the the value point right. is at a at the right cycle point in the cycle. Yes, yes, yes. So I think that that there is that there is that um, the possibilities of of implementing that and creating that. So there's that. Um, there was another thing I was going to say. Oh, just from what I was sharing about the potential direction that we're leading going in that. Um, not not as like franchise per se, but that our partner organizations can really like own and potentially like future, we'll see in the direction that we go is um, that our partner organizations can like essentially just run their own regeneration pollination. So we have our own, you know, cross pollinated ones that we do twice a month, but then maybe one of our partners can do one for their community. Or, you know, host their own. So then we would have many regeneration pollinations happening. And then I think it was like similar to trying out like the green drinks model. But then on our website and on our flyers, we would be able to list out like all these different offerings, you know, as like actually hosted by Seeds of Dow or hosted by Farmer's Footprint. That's like their community. They're doing it. You can drop in, but it's like specific to 
you know, if it's like entrepreneurs or farmers or whatever. And then the other thing um, we did trial doing a bilingual event last year. And we also had a theme event where we did on solar punk. So we can still mm. like look to like occasionally have that as well. Um, shout out to Bobby Fishkin. This, uh, shout shout out to Bobby. One. Bobby yeah. Who's one of our, who's one of our, who's, and he's one of our partners crowd doing amazing. Is one of our partner. He's an amazing partner. So he's been, he's, he, yeah, yeah, he's, he's such been an advocate. Helping, he's been supporting, he's been supporting us from pretty much the beginning, I think. Um, wow. Like he, I would say is like, oh, he's OG, uh, regeneration pollination, I believe. Uh, uh, I, I, I think it was, um, Bobby and then, you know, Dave Witzel, Hannah, and, um, I know I'm missing somebody, but I think, um, Neil, Neil with, um, shareable as mm-hmm. another, um, organization. Those were like some of the original partner groups that were kind of helping kind of like, you know collaborate and help us get this kind of thing off the ground there was something else i was going to say but i've lost my train of thought so i'll, I'll let you <laughs> okay well, well we'll tangent around a little bit but uh, i really want to get to the yeah. part about the conversation around siloing when i started yeah. to attend space camp what i immediately noticed as somewhat of an outsider in a general i'm a music producer you know i don't mm-hmm. do I don't do this world, you know, I, 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 this is, this whole world is amazing to me and new. And one of the things I immediately noticed was the duplicate work. So in other words, people are starting these initiatives because there's a need that needs to be done. There are groups of three or four people. And as I'm learning and learning and learning about all the different uh, initiatives that are out there, there are so many and it's impossible to know about them all. And like you said, a lot of them are underfunded or they're volunteer funded or there's just somebody just doing it because they want to. And so, you know, you may have this base of knowledge, like even in one of our projects in, in, in the future cities, we had such a wealth of people who were in like Echo Villages and one who did uh, engineering for the city of Detroit and sustainability and worked in a consulting firm there. And, you know, people who have built uh, shipping containers with complete uh, workshops in them so you can build a village, you know, right off so much like incredible information uh, capital. And, you know, the mission was, was about one thing. And so there were all these rich conversations happening and they're all archived in a Slack somewhere. Mm-hmm. and on some zooms and mm-hmm. that there are things that i've had people mention in other groups like oh i wish we had this i wish we had that or whatever there were things that we were like working on but they're just sitting there and so you know there's these problems where you know there's there's it's a lot of work to get the information to be put somewhere that everyone can access it because we're limited by the bandwidth we have as individual humans to consume information. And so like, you know, somebody wants to to go reference something in this podcast, they need to go watch the hour long podcast to find it. And so Mm -hmm. maybe it's back in their memory somewhere and then they get to mention it to someone else and make that connection. Like you said, you know, maybe there's something three months later, someone's like, oh, yeah, hey, this and they might send the link or whatever. But, um, you know, let's let's really talk about that. How do we solve the problem of siloing? <laughs> well, there's something that I think happened for me, I don't know how many months ago it was, but I kind of came to this realization that siloing is inevitable and it's going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. And there is a certain aspect of it that actually isn't a problem 
only because all it's showing is that like the wow it's amazing this is like whatever's happening is in the collective consciousness and that there's all these opportunities that are happening around the world um and it's great but on the other side of it is but these all these initiatives they're they're now that they're there or they they're i know the amount of the amount of apps that every now and again I see like this climate app and this climate app and this climate oh, no, 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 no. and I'm just kind of like, but didn't you, didn't you know about that? Did you hear about that? Wait, no. but there was just something that was like what? three months ago. And it's like, again, 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 again. And yeah. I roll my eyes, but, um, but then I'm like, well, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. That's happening. But then there is a certain element I think about regarding that, that creates, I think like dilution that I think in a certain sense strengthens because there's more opportunities, but it also dilutes what's possible with the power of partnering and collaborating and creating unification. So in that sense, then what's needed is the ways that these groups can connect and weave. And that's Mm. like where the model of like sociocracy comes in or something similar, which allows for like having those like links within those different groups to be able to come together you know, and then there's also the talk that people have like, you know, we want to create the meta site of meta sites of meta sites to be the <laughs> umbrella that holds everything together. And I just don't see that that might actually really happen. Um, if, uh, but it has to be something that is co-created collaboratively with all these different groups and initiatives and movements and projects mm-hmm. and organizations and, and networks and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, how to, and this is an ongoing thing. It's showed up in so many different circles that I'm in. It's like, we want the network of networks and we're to create this network of networks. And, you know, um, I just don't think that we're ever going to be able to stop it because we're humans and we like to create and we're and innovate and it's going to happen. Right. But I think that there's a certain element of leveraging where you have people such as myself who are, I guess you could call it a super connector, but people who are super connectors that have a unique opportunity to do the weaving amongst all these different groups. Um, I think that maybe what's needed is just a, like a wiki. You can, mm. If you want to create something that's meta, but that's um, like a co-owned, what is it? Co-owned commons uh, non, you know, a D, like a Dow-ish kind of wiki or something of the like that is the information library, because mm-hmm. I think that that's something that's probably really needed. Um, that will also be the host for being able all these different groups to be able to link themselves, and then it becomes like this co, um, like global library. Mm. That can everybody from all these different countries and communities, you know, can can just access to find that like wealth of information. And then, um, you know, it's like the one stop shop. I I think there is still a power of having a one stop shop. Yeah. Um, so sort of I, like I a larger that... version of the cooperating manual for Spaceship Earth project. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And then, um, you know, there are but something that, that can be about, like, like added to by everyone and also moderated by yes, everyone. Like Wikipedia. It's, it's a commons. Yeah, it's a global. It would be it would need to be a global commons and it would need to be widely advertised. That's the only way that I think there's always people that are naturally shared. And then there's intentional, you know, where you've got like people that are like um, 
what do you call like the people that go on missions in religion, like where it's just like uh, missionaries, missionaries, you know, it's like yeah. evangelists. <laughs> but, yeah. But but maybe but maybe change it from missionary, even though it may have a negative connotation for some people. But it's like change it up to be some kind of cool, creative, you know, uh, version of the word. And you yeah. have like actual missionary representatives from these different movements that are uh, contributing to the space that are purposely actively getting the word out to let groups know you know who and it's is like that? advertised and it's like advocating that you know what's who? funny is that i found the buckminster fuller institute community because i was on another online zoom for a podcast that i listened to and uh they had just kind of during the pandemic opened up a room we called coffee shop and uh i met Stephen bow there and huh? so recently i was having a conversation with Stephen, and he said you know you know what I realized is that I'm kind of an evangelist and I'm like, you were absolutely 100% an evangelist. And it was like the, the light bulb went off for me because like everything <laughs> I found out about, you know, is indirectly because of Stephen and introducing me to, to Trim Toast Base Camp at Buckminster Fuller Institute. And it was like that one connection has led to so many connections. But when I, when I look at what he does, he sits there and like, you know, all day he'll be, oh, I was talking to this person. Oh, I was just having conversation with so-and-so and I was having conversation with these group of people and I was in World Reverse yeah. Group and I was in Design Science Studio and I was in Space Camp and I was and so again that super connector aspect of it uh, you know it was, it was hysterical because when I was looking for the, the name of this show um, I was looking mm -hmm. at all the SEO potentials and, and it was funny because if I type the word uh, if I put the word missions if I put missions log with an S then all the SEO was like um, Christian missionary type stuff and if I put yeah. mission with an N no S then it was like um, you know more like space uh, it was more like NASA and things like that and it was sure. it was so funny how that one little letter made a whole difference in terms of just to, I digress but you know just to talk about you know missionaries for a second you know I, I, there is a need for for evangelists and missionaries and super connectors and people who are sharing these ideas and uh, pollinating as you say An another uh, reference that I have of mine learning from space camp was um, watching Kurt, Kurt McNamara talk and he was talking mm -hmm. about um, geometry. And so he had his, uh, you know, his uh, the balls with the sticks. And he's like, OK, so here's, you know, <coughs> here's here's a single point of connection. You know, it has a pivot. It's very flexible. And uh, there, so you make this connection and it's super flexible. And that's the advantage of this connection. You add two points and you get a hinge. And so now you have something mm -hmm. more stable, but it still has some degree of flexibility. You add the third point and then. That third point, it's very stable, but the downside is, is that you, you know, you really can't change it much at that point. So if you need flexibility, this is not the, this is not the organization for you. And then he took, I don't know if I can do it, but he took like a stick and he put it like in mm -hmm. through the pyramid and he's like, that's the pollinator. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's me. I like to jump from group to group to group to group to group to group and, and put all these things together and all this information together and, and just see how it can yes. all connect. And uh, so, you know, there's value in, you know, not necessarily, there are value into the people who don't want to join a particular group and become married to it. You know, that's that's the pollination aspect. And yes. we need those people. And we do, we also need those people who are the hinges, you know, and we need the people who are the stability that actually make a thing work, you know, that are the, the glue mm -hmm. that holds something together. And so they all have yes. value. And to be truth be told, we can be all four in different areas of our yes. life. And I think that's the, mm -hmm. the diverse nature of it. 
Um, yeah, exciting stuff. Um, really, uh, I'll give you a chance to to respond before I just jump to from topic to topic. <laughs> yeah, no, I think. Um, yeah, I mean. It, it, evangelist can have its like negative connotation to it. And I think it really is all a matter of how the conversation is had, the quality of the conversation, the tone, the way that the person's being. But then there's just the like, um, you know, like in many, I want to, I want to be like Soviet, but where they have, where they're, when they need to make announcements or even like if there's a tsunami warning, you have the, you know, you have like the system with the, um, I'm, I don't know why I can't think about what the name of it is. <laughs> My brain is spacing. Yeah, the emergency, the emergency broadcast system. system. Right, right. No, no, no. <laughs> but the, the, um, the microphone, you have like an outdoor microphone that will just, but like there are communities, um, I forgot, maybe it was, was it when I was in Israel? I'm trying to remember where I was, where if there was an, an announcement for like the, like that, you know. Let the let the community know that there's this thing happening later today. That the whole village, yeah, like like they were like the air raid like sirens system. or the big speakers that you see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like that, but for communities and the people that are basically the microphones, it's just it's just announcements. It's like letting people know, letting yeah. people know. And obviously, you can phrase the language. That's just like, please contribute, please join. You know, and that's how to and then there's the just the broadcasting of it, spreading it as far and wide as possible um, and figuring out also looking deep to who's missing. That's the other yeah. piece. Who's missing in the conversation? What communities are missing that don't know about this or don't yeah. have access or. And that's always a thing, too. And that's why we develop why we're trying to develop more partnerships with people to help mm. us get the word out is to reach the places where some of us just don't have that reach. You know, because that's how we create that vision of global community, be able to reach all these different, you know, different types of communities. Yeah. Well, not not everybody can be on the microphone at the same time. And there are some people, like you said, that intentional listening space. You know, if I'm always just like blast, 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 blast the message, you know, that you you wouldn't want to get on the emergency alert system and say, hey, there's a great deal at Kohl's and, you know, hey, you should probably tie your shoe. And I mean, there's there's such a thing as too much information or too much noise or keeping keeping a channel clear. And I think that's, you know, where the community builders come in and the nurturers and the people who are able to really um, come in and support a space like Regeneration Pollination. There are those who are quietly in the background holding that space for someone to tell their story about what they worked on and and, and who are just, you know, in that phase of, of things where they're just able to, to hold space and to nurture. And I think that's essential. And yeah. then, you know, the, the evangelist, you know, I think the thing about being a good evangelist is not like beating people over the head, you know, oh, you need to be regenerative, yeah. you know, it's a, it should be exciting. <laughs> it should be something that makes people want to learn more. That's, that's the point, you know, it needs to be attractive. And so, um, yes. You know, I think getting the message out there is such a big thing. Um, That's why I love podcasting. I think it's a fantastic way to share uh, ideas and connection. And I feel like the audience gets a sense of the connection that we're having and also an excitement about the Mm -hmm. things that you're Mm -hmm. excited about that I'm excited about. And that's generative. I think that's a really exciting way to learn and grow and also to find out about the organizations that you're involved with. 
I, you know, I want people to go check out Regeneration Pollination. Go be, be a part of the event and, uh, you know, also share, you know, anything you're learning about the Buckminster Fuller Institute and uh, Trim Tam Space Camp and all those things. You know, share these ideas with others because we're at this point in history where the world is ready for a change. People want something different, but they need to know that something's out there that's good, you know, yeah. because it, there's there's a lack of good information. There's a lack of hopeful thought out there in the mainstream. And so I guess one of my main questions that I had for you was, how do we make regeneration mainstream? Well, I think that it starts with conversations. And in particular, it's conversations with the people who you know, I remember we would talk about this, too, when I was living in the Bay Area, where it's like, I don't know, I don't know, remember still preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. So you have conversations, not don't have conversations with the choir, <laughs> bold, courageous conversations with the non-choir. Like we need yeah. people to talk to those with differing views. We I need agree. to be able to we be need we need to be able to be humble and have humility and develop our capacity for listening to the other, the other, you know, like the people that are of differing views and it starts there. 100%. Um, yeah. If we don't and we, you know, it's, it's just like, we're just echo chambering and that's like, that's what we're not trying to do. We we're at a point yeah. where we can't keep doing it. And there are, there's, um, there's a place for everybody in this conversation for transitioning for to like a more regenerative way of living and, and creating a regenerative future. You know, there are things that need to happen for it to be made stream that people do need to address the doing the inner work to look at what is, what are the blocks and the barriers within to be more regenerative and do the mm. healing work personally. Then there's the yes. interpersonal, there's the interpersonal work and the social relationships you know, and then there's the systemic, the systemic work, you know, there's and a lot of people are focused on systemic work, you know, mm-hmm. and having those relationships with leaders in government and developing law and policy to make it be that. I remember when I um, when I was studying abroad in Australia in 2005, when we were there, that's where I learned that due to the climate in Australia and the nature of like the system that they have, I'm forgetting what it's called. It's totally, I totally forgot what it's called, but they, they have these cycles, large, long cycles of drought. And so what they had to do, and it's a mandate that all buildings are built with rainwater capture. Yeah. It's in law, I think, right? Like it's in law, they required then on the other side and the other spectrum, you have like Colorado, which is like making, have you know, I don't know if it's still the same thing today, but it's like illegal. It's illegal for yeah. people to have rainwater catchment. Right. And it's, it's like, <laughs> you know, so it's totally different spec side of the spectrum, but like it is, it's, that's where it's like having those conversations with the people that are making the decisions and developing relationships with the policy and the lawmaker and, con- you know, who are your representatives. So there's stuff that has to happen at that level. There are the conversations that have to happen at the level of those that are uh, in corporate, in business, that are 
having those negative impacts through their, you know, the fossil fuel industry, all these different uh, more degenerative industries and having conversations and getting people talking to people that could be allies in those companies and empowering them. It's all about empowerment and making sure that people really are empowered to keep fighting, to keep fighting, but keep the conversation alive and not giving up. And then there's, um, empowering communities just at the continuing at the grassroots local level and to um as much as i don't like saying this the reality of the world that we live in is is engaging in pop culture right is to have those influencers talk to the influencers on like tiktok and instagram and uh, youtube and um having conversations with allies in the celebrity world because people mm-hmm. listen to those people, you know, you mm-hmm. find like those L'Oreal ads, you've got, you know, whoever from <laughs> actress that's there. And it's like, that's just the world we live in. And you need to do that all across the board, all countries. So that I feel like yeah. there's lots of different a- avenues and levels to work at, to have it become mainstream. And it also is just the nature and the conversation it's seeding the conversation, sitting down with your family to have those conversations, talking to your local representatives, talking to the people in your organization and your business. And when you keep talking, eventually that conversation is going to shift, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just having to also with the climate and, you know, there's a point where we got to have to adapt. But we look at like technological yeah. advancements where it's like, there wasn't smartphones and then all of a sudden there were smartphones <laughs> and then that became a part of the conversation. So it's yeah. like looking at the conversations that we're having and how do we, I was just talking to somebody earlier about uh, just, I was like, what is a good garden reference? Permaculture is just like inoculate. You got to inoculate, you got to inoculate, but you got to do it in, you know, where they do like gorilla gardeners, they just throw the seed balls in different places. So it's like, there, there's a certain intentionality that has to happen too, but it's just like inoculate mm-hmm. everywhere you go. Keep, keep weaving in conversations everywhere you go and don't stop. Don't give up yeah. when somebody says no, yeah. it's just, you keep, you keep looking at like, okay, what was missing from that conversation? And, you know, and just, um, but the other element of course, too, is looking at how you're being, if you are coming from a place of make wrong and shouting at the other person and, you know, um, there is I don't want to I don't want to put down the power of protest, but you have to look at just human psychology and the things that turn people off. And you have to take that to account. Mm-hmm. To, that what is it going to take to have other people listen, get yeah. figure out what we need to do to get on the same page and come mm-hmm. to like a sense of commonality? Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> well, you know, and, it, you know, Vipassana, right? The inner yes. work. It's not just about what we can do on the outer with the other. It's also about how we relate to ourselves (laughs) and where we're at homeostasis and centered and peaceful within ourselves. And then that communicates differently. The same information can get communicated so vastly different. Um, And I think it's also about remembering what you said. Like 12 years ago, there was no iPhone or however many years ago, 18 years ago, there was a point where we didn't have a supercomputer in our pockets. And so it's this, and now it's it's ubiquitous and it's common. The world has changed and moved on to something new. And it's the same thing with ideas. 
even in divergent groups of people that we might find, you know, in a different place than we are, uh, people's mm -hmm. mindsets change over time. And something that was rigid and fixed 20 years ago within an a mindset mm -hmm. or a group or an ideology, uh, eventually yeah. will come to terms with the outer reality. And so the world is shifting. People are shifting. And how we have these conversations yes. from an intentional space and make it appealing and make it thought-provoking and make it genuine, I think we yeah. are all ambassadors for this, you know? Yeah. And the one thing that I'll, I'll say to that too is you have to get into the other person's world and you have to speak to them what are their interests what their are the language. things that matter to them yeah you have to yes you have to make your yeah. language match theirs that's the other piece too is, is thinking about accessibility so like at the end of the day you know because we're already seeing it too about like the co-opting of like regeneration and the word and you know different groups throwing that around too and it's like how to develop the language that will really speak to all different type of people. Um, we acknowledge that there are people that won't come to our events because, you know, they're very niche focused. So it may not be everybody's boat. And some people don't even see that regeneration is their language or could matter to them. And so there is, you know, there is that too. But, in you yeah. know, to make something mainstream, it really needs, you got to think about what's going to speak to people. Um, and then there's that desire of like, we're, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore because how do we shift something from not mattering to mattering mm -hmm. where then they're like, I don't want to use plastic bags anymore and plastic straws and, yeah. you know, styrofoam and, you know, and obviously some of that could be supported from policy and, you know, law where it's banned and, you know, but then it also has to come from whatever it is that's going to then create demand. Yeah. What's a better way to do this? What's something that, you know, makes the old system obsolete, as Buckminster yeah. Fuller put it? And that was an inspiration yes. for me. Um, so you uh, graduated with your master's in environment, culture, and society from the University of Edinburgh. That's yes. freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me just yes. a smidgen about that. Well... So when I, um, so I still have this dream to like live in Europe. It's a spiritual journey for me. I just had a, I, I was bitten by the Europe bug back in like 2001, sophomore year of high school, French trip, spring break. We went to like Belgium, France, Switzerland. And I was just like in awe. I mean, I was already at a point no, it was high school, not junior high, high school, sophomore year, high school. Maybe I've said that, but um, I was sort of like I became atheist and I started to like this journey of being nonconformist. And I started reading, reading lots of different mm -hmm. books, like everything from, oh, my God, they were like environmental stuff, you know, animal activism, uh, Eastern philosophy. I just was just like all across the board. I remember, I think it was in high school, I started reading like the Tao of Physics, just like, you know, and uh, in that way, I didn't really connect to some of my high school friends because I was just like, I was already, <laughs> I was a unique bird. I was already like going to town and like, you know, my, my, my boyfriend in high school, like he was really like a kill your TV kind of guy and would like, uh -huh. <laughs> he had a shirt or a pin about that too. Um, uh -huh. But, when I was there, I just already felt like this, like, oh, there's this other way of living. And this, I was just exposed to new culture. Now, yes, I know there's like the whole, 
history of like the negative parts of Western civilization and, you know, colonialism and the whole, you know, geopolitics and stuff that, you know, like the, the downside of things that like occurred in Europe and stuff, but there's still the beauty of the architecture and the people and the culture. And there's just like, um, something that I felt like was missing in the United States that like, as soon as I saw it and then the way that the cities were designed and it was beautiful oh, to me. And I was just like, yeah. wow. Yeah. I was like, wow. To me, you know, so I was just so enamored. I just remember like, what you mean? Up, every was in, city I wasn't think... designed with parking lots everywhere. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I just remember I was in, I think I was, I, I was in Brussels or Bruges and I was eating a Belgian waffle with like the chocolate dripping out of it, you know, and I just remember looking up and I was just like, wow. And I surprised I never got into like architecture, but I just had a fascination with architecture. And I was just like, this is just, wow, amazing, beautiful. And, and I just think about like all the, like, you know, being from the East coast and like the colonial homes, which they have their quaint look about them as cute. Some, you know, but I was just like, like boring this is wow so that's I, I just and then when we went down to we went down to southern france and i was in nice and i was just like this okay beyond the fact that the beaches weren't sandy the colors the smells the flavor everything was just like wow i've got to come back to this you know so i i kind of like had the bug it was i was bitten i was like i just it mm. was in my mind i remember when i was in college at ithaca I had a poster that was like a, a Mediterranean scene and it was just like, it was just there for me. And so I've always been wanting uh, to get back. But the other part of it too, for me spiritually is, you know, my heritage is Eastern European, uh, Ashkenaz, and I want to explore the countries of my heritage. And so that's something that's really mm. important to me. But I went to Edinburgh. It was the top choice program it wasn't necessarily i never was just like "Ooh, i really want to go to scotland like that was uh -huh. never i was like i want to go to italy i want to go to spain you know i, <laughs> I was like i'd go back to switzerland or austria or whatever like that was mm -hmm. there for me but i i went to the university of edinburgh for the program it was my top program i co-founded a sustainable living education center in Oakland called Place for Sustainable Living, which stands for oh, people linking cool. art community and ecology. Yeah. So the website, I believe is place.community and it's still around, um, you know, and it's, it's grown and developed so much since I st we started, it was just this like old cement facility, I think, and just urban mm. that we've just completely transformed it. And it was all about bringing community together, doing place-based work, to educate people on sustainable living and what's possible. And we held Skillshare events and workshops and we had a fab, a fab lab, a makerspace. Um, and we had all these different demonstration uh, sites on, on site to show people like, this is what you could do in your neighborhood. And, um, and we did city repair style. Um, we have like in the intersection, a mural that we created at one time and, um, it was just such a beautiful experience for bringing people together and creating community. And I was also involved with the permaculture convergences. And I just was thinking about like, I just feel like, you know, I do need to, I want to move to Europe. I do feel like I should get a master's degree to take things to the next level. Um, maybe be taken more seriously and maybe it'll look better on my resume. But I was mm -hmm. also thinking about how we have all these events to educate people and then people come and it's great. They have a good time and then they leave. And then, then what, what yeah. is it that's gonna, and I was thinking about this conversation about not preaching to the choir and getting things mainstream, but I was also thinking about 
what gets what actually has people then take action they have all this information and then what right so that's where i started to explore different types of programs and i found this one and i loved it because it was interdisciplinary and so everybody that came to the program they had their interests you know so there was like one girl who was really interested in like buddhism and kind of weaving in buddhism into like environmental work and then there was another person that was like really into wind energy and uh, another person was like uh, looking at queer ecology. So like all across the board, people had their different interests. Um, so, uh, yeah, I there the core courses were ethics and values, which, of course, is important in looking at like w- human drivers, like what are their ethics? What are their values? And then there was a political ecology course. So that really looked at things mm. sy- at the systems level. And so um, there are also these electives that at the time, unfortunately, weren't offered during my year. So I didn't get to take them. But I was like, ooh, like you had environmental sociology and uh, global global. What was it called? Global environmental politics. That one was offered, but um, there were only a couple seats available for people not in the program that that was required for. So I didn't get into that class, but I did take a landscape and well-being class. So I learned a little bit about the impact that our landscape has on our perceptions and, um, you know, like how, you know, when you're designing spaces and windows and the importance of light Mm -hmm. and all this stuff, it was really interesting. So important. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, at the end of the day, I loved being in Scotland and, and in Edinburgh because it's such a historic town and that was beautiful. I mean, I, I feel like Mm. I locked out in that, in that way. And then for my dissertation, I originally wanted to write on love because I just feel this like call for like, how do we create more loving community in the world? But then my my supervisor's like, you got to narrow it down. It's too broad. So then she introduced me. She introduced me to care and care ethics. So I wrote my master's dissertation on um, as like an exploration into if uh, the ethics of care can be expanded toward more than humans. Mm-hmm. And um, looking at that, and it was sort of exploring. Um, was it? Ex- let's see if I can remember. An exploration in emotional and geographical distance. How emotional and geographical oh. distance can impact one's care. Um, so that was like a start, yeah. and then you know, exploring things through these courses too. And I, you know, it was it was like I got my appetite wet, but that idea of what are the drivers. You know, where culture, society, social norms, uh, media, um, human, you know, psychology, and you've got like ethics and values, beliefs, paradigm, worldview, you know, there's all these different things that really contribute. And I feel like it's it's a continual learning journey to really understand that what drives a human to then like we're saying, like what is going to cause them to kind of take that action and and what's next to transition from being degenerative to being more regenerative. And, you know, I don't have the answer yet, you know, but I think some of the things that I said previously, you know, are worse, are a step uh, to, to, I think, get there. Hmm. Lauren Menace, this was incredible. (laughs) And there was so many other things I wanted to ask you, but we're out of time. Um, oh, bummer. where can people find regeneration pollination and go and join your events? And also I yes. would love for you to list your top five, uh, gifts 
to share with people of things that people that you've encountered, mm-hmm. projects that you'd encountered that you would like to share and have the audience know about? Oh, boy. I hate saying top five because there's so many really good ones. Okay, so if All you right, want um, to find out more about... <laughs> So if you want to find out more about regeneration pollination, you can go to our website, www.regenerationpollination.earth. That's our website. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, Lauren at regenerationpollination.earth. <laughs> I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm the only one with my name. So just look for Lauren Minnis, one N. Um, so that's get, uh, to connect with me. And then in terms of God, top things, oh boy, this is so hard. Um, Check out, I just completed the Regenerative Leadership Academy with Laura Storm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So she's starting her next cohort, but they do have a self-paced course. And I really appreciate Laura's approach because she really, I think, brings in more of the like feminine to um, the conversation in her approach. Uh, And I appreciate all the like visuals. So that's great. So Regenerative Leadership Academy, which was like with regenerators.co. Um, then there's the bioleadership fellowship project. I have a, I'm a bioleadership fellow. I was in the first cohort and that's like nature inspired systems change work, um, and connecting, deepening your relationship with nature. Um, there's, uh, the global regeneration collab come join us in that community. There's so many different communities. Um, the permaculture collab, um, well-being economy. Alliance, we all, um, and other initiatives that are focused on well-being is important. Um, 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 I know there's so many more, and I feel like um, I'm just. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll link all these in the show notes so that you can click the links yeah. and uh, follow whichever one yes. catches your attention, your interest. Um, Lauren, thanks for being here on this Spaceship Earth Mission Log. Thanks for everything you do, hosting uh, your events and your presence and the way you are cross-pollinating in the world. Thanks for sharing today. It's been great to have you. Yes, it was so great, too. Uh, One more, Bioneers. um, You know, and they Ah, also do work around women's women's, women's leadership and indigenous, um, you know, uh, indigenous, you know, raising the voices of indigenous people. And, um, so yeah, I definitely would, uh, support and raise up the voice of bioneers.org. Very <laughs> so, cool. That's another community of people and their bioneers event is worth for everyone to come to. So thank you so much for your time and having me on. Siva has been great. And I look forward to mm. connecting to, uh, with any of you who reach out, um, and come to our, hope to see you at one of our future events. Mm-hmm. All right. Check out Spaceship Earth Mission Log on Substack, on YouTube, and Lauren and her work. Thanks for joining us on the Spaceship Earth Mission Log. Thank you for joining us on Spaceship Earth Mission Log. You can follow us on YouTube to get the video version of this podcast and get our newsletter on Substack, spaceshipearthmissionlog.substack.com. We will continue doing interviews to expand the interconnecting web between those who are already doing great projects and work so we can link together and collaborate. If you need to know more about the Buckminster Fuller Institute, you can look up bfi.org. That is the inspiration for a lot of this, and they're doing a lot of great work to 
teach regenerative principles and thinking and to help spur on systems change in the world. For now, I am signing off. This is Stephen Levitt. My podcast is The Language of Creativity. You can look up thelanguageofcreativity.com or find it on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube and wherever else you get your podcast. So until next time, this is Spaceship Earth Mission Log.